Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Isaiah. It comes to us as the opening 10 verses of the 35th chapter. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful in heart, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pond, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals, where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. The New Testament reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Matthew in the 11th chapter, beginning of verse 2 and continuing through verse 11. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or... Are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. 
Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Both this morning's Old and New Testament texts assigned to the third Sunday in Advent are pointing the people of God to something. Hearkening back to what I said last Sunday, this something is also a someone, the truth. Generations before the arrival of the babe in the manger, the prophet Isaiah, and many generations later, the prophet John, were sent to bring news, to bring news of one to come. This one who was to come would be special, very special, more special than even the greatest of prophets. This is the thing, the one we too look for again here in Advent. We celebrate the formal or former arrival and the future coming of the one who is greater than any who had come before. The people who are described for us in the books of Isaiah and Matthew, they were also looking forward, forward in time and forward to that big thing that the Lord was going to do for them. And they knew that their God had tapped Moses in the past to lead his people out of distress. So the Messiah was to come, it was hoped, and would do the same even better than that. So questions like, to whom do I turn? Where should I look? What should I be seeking? Whom should I follow? Would not have been unexpected or uncommon to find on the people's lips in that day as they were in the mouths of the disciples who had come from John. In truth, these same inquiries may also be heard in our world today, on the streets, in the workplaces, in the schools, in our podcasts, in movies, TV, and of course, the ubiquitous social media channels. Speaking of which, as we approach the end of 2022, not only do we anticipate Christmas and Boxing Day and New Year's Eve, but we are also treated to year in review top lists, top movies, top music from Spotify, top celebrity deaths, etc., etc. I saw a headline this week which caught my eye. It said that the 2022 Word of the Year had now been crowned. Thank goodness. The Oxford Dictionary people selected this year's winner from among words that have come recently into the lexicon. And their pick this year is goblin mode. Now, a couple of observations about this. First of all, someone ought to tell the dictionary folks that by definition, their word of the year isn't a word at all, but a phrase. Secondly, could I see a quick show of hands this morning of those who have 
ever, before now, heard that phrase and know what it means? Hands? Oh, good. That's actually twice as many as I figured. Well, it's certainly a generational thing. So I'm not sure how the Oxford Dictionaries folks go about deciding on their finalists for word of the year, but I did read that in an online popularity contest that they ran to determine, it garnered over 90% of the votes that were cast, far outsurpassing the other two contenders, Metaverse and hashtag I stand with. Again, I question whether that's a word, but I digress. Anyhow, just so y'all know, goblin mode is defined as unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. So, when someone says to you, how was church today? You can tell them, well, we learned about goblin mode. All right, so what's that got to do with Isaiah or John the Baptist or the one to whom they were both pointing? Here's what I think. Certainly the pandemic has profoundly altered our world and our own world, meaning the way that each one of us lives. Uh, I wrote about this a bit in this week's congregational email. And if the folks who are writing about the Oxford Dictionary's word of the year are correct, there has been a shift among many workers, especially white-collar folks over the past couple of years, in that many care less about keeping up appearances. They have been discovering that they can be productive and perhaps even more happy outside the confines of a cubicle, outside the hours of Monday to Friday, 8 to 5, outside of a company dress code. Sort of reminds me, I'll date myself here, that 1983 Apple Computer Super Bowl TV commercial featuring a, a woman with a sledgehammer destroying the established Orwellian order. These work-related epiphanies are all pretty liberating discoveries. They should be a cause for celebration. However, contained within the conversation around this new state of being is a cautionary tale. Scripture is replete with reminders that God doesn't see people through the same filter as people see one another. So getting out of the habit of trying to please the senses of others is biblical. But also biblical is the other side of that equation, namely that it's God whom we are made to please and not self. As people are becoming less concerned over what others think of their appearance, I mean, look at John. He didn't care what others thought of him. Their work schedules or their habits, those who are in goblin mode risk trading in the importance of others' perceptions for themselves for their own perceptions of themselves. While being less concerned over how the world views us, our vocations, our use of time, our making and spending of money is a good thing, folks need to keep in mind the answer to the question that was raised by John and his disciples. Are, are you the one who is to come? Or do we wait for another? For he is the only one whose opinion of us 
matters. In other words, as we are being freed to reconsider work relationships, we should be wary of trying to become our own boss. If the man or woman in the corner office is holding less sway in our work, we don't need to be replacing that person with the person in the mirror, as doing so is merely exchanging one corruptible flesh for another. While we should be grateful for the shift away from the patterns of the past, we should see this as an opening for us to go less goblin mode and instead go more God mode. This phenomena that has earned Oxford Dictionary's word of the year can also be seen impacting the church. Yet again this week, a news outlet pointed out the rapid rate of decline in America's institutional churches. Membership and participation rates have fallen again to their lowest percentages since folks even began tracking these things. Some of the blame has been placed on the pandemic when many churches closed their doors and turned away their congregants. When the hysteria passed and doors were reopened, many folks never returned. Some of them had discovered that goblin mode could not only apply to their work, but to their spiritual practices as well. They consumed the religious services of their choice on YouTube or Facebook or iTunes when they wanted, as they wanted, with no obligation to cough up money into a collection plate passed around, no uncomfortable false smiles, no greetings and handshakes or hugs, it, no no problem changing the channel when the sermon got too personal, <laughs> when we stepped on parishioners' toes, or when it went too long. But that is hardly the biblical model of the life of the early church, which stressed the corporate over the individual. The institution of this, the Lord's Supper, was a central part of this model. And as we prepare to participate in that great corporate Mystery again today, together in this real, physical, intimate way, we renew our commitment to the work and the worship of the body of Christ with and in our own bodies. So, goblin mode may be a change for the better for our psyches, but it is no better a thing for our relationship with God. St. John of the Cross wrote that you may have pleasure in everything, seek your own pleasure in nothing. That you may know everything, seek to know nothing. That you may possess all things, seek to possess nothing. That you may be everything, seek to be nothing. Which is another way of saying that the more self-serving we are, the less God-serving we are. Though the thought of being number one might have a worldly appeal to it, Scripture reminds us that we aren't. Isaiah knew he wasn't the one. John the Baptist knew he wasn't the one. They carried out their prophetic offices as they were led by God and kept watch, along with the rest of the people who knew they weren't, but who were waiting for the coming of the one. The season of Advent is a sacred time set aside for us to watch, to look for that one, 
The one who will give the blind their sight, who will set the lame to walk in, who will cleanse the lepers, restore hearing to the deaf, bring good news to the poor, and even raise the dead. The one who is active and engaged in the world, making an indelible impact by living and working within a world full of disease and suffering and challenge, not home under the covers, in his jammies, binging Netflix and munching on a bag of chips. Yes, shifting into goblin mode, maybe attempting alternative to the way of the world, but is not necessarily the way of the one who came to save the world, the one who has called us to active participation in that great redemptive work of the new creation. The one who began his time with us in a lowly cattle stall and ended his time with us as an executed criminal. The one who at every turn upended the expectations of the world and its people while being precisely the anointed one the words of the scriptures and the words of the prophets had described that he would be. This is the one whom the people were looking for. This is the one who came. This is the one who will come again. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.